Sunday, October 18th, 2020, you are listening to the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. On today's episode, NHL free agency is well underway, and the least better not be done, because old man Joe is not going to be enough. I'm telling you right now, we're going to need more help. To help break it all down, all the moves going on in the NHL right now, we've got Karn back in the studio. Karn, Leafs over or under one playoff series win this year? I'm going with the over today, or this year. I like the confidence. The I like You're wrong, but I like the confidence. And for the first time... What do you mean he's wrong? He's right. wrong! The Leafs right. first round Jumbo exit. Joe. That's all we do every year. We're coming back with the same team, same result. Jimmy VC is taking us to the promised land. Okay, hey, finish your hey, intro. this is my intro. And for the first time in studio, your friend and mine, all the way from Greece. We haven't even started yet, and he's already angry. Steve Minakakis is here. Buddy, what's good? Doing good, man. Doing good. He's a lot angrier than that. Wait till we get him fired up. We're going to talk a little hockey, and we're going to wrap up with some LBJ championship talk. I'm Andrew. He's Chris. Let's go. All right, boys. Tampa, bringing the cup down to Florida, the coronavirus state. Most cases across the country, but they're bringing home the cup. Pretty good. I like how when they won it, they were having, during the parade, they actually had people, like, drinking from the cup. Like, <laughs> you got to keep that tradition going, right? Like, it doesn't matter what's happening in the real world. You got to have, like, the random fans drinking there from the cup. There is no state that cares less about what's going on in the world than Florida. Florida yeah. lives by their own rules. Yeah, exactly. Like, if any state had to win, it had to be Florida. Florida man reigns supreme. Uh, Karin, Steve, did you guys think Tampa was the rightful champion? Yeah, I I always thought the Lightning were going to win in the last couple of years, and they didn't. So it's uh, kind of this uh, the story that needed to end in that way, that the Lightning were going to win the Cup. Wait, hold so. up. You thought a couple years ago Lightning were going to win, so you're clearly lying. Steve, did you <laughs> think Tampa was going to win this year? Yeah, no, they've been by far the best team in probably the last two, three seasons. Yeah. Like, when you have, like, when your top guys get they're injured. Like, they're the greatest dynasty that hadn't won until yeah. this year. Like, they literally killed it. They're, like, in college basketball, like, uh, uh, Virginia, who was number one and lost the 16th seed. Yeah. Then they came back and won the, the college basketball championship the very next year. Same thing with the Lightning. Lost to Columbus in the first round. Absolute swept. Swept. It's, yeah. You get this chip on your back where you're just, like, you I think know? that I think they actually got swept because they also saw the replay of John Tortorella's, like, pregame speech, game one. Like, ah, oh, fuck, he really... He really outdid us there. I remember and they, just, they were up three zip in the first period or something that game last year, and uh, and after that just completely collapsed. Never won again. Never didn't even. I don't think they even led after that period. Well, it didn't help that Hedman was hurt. Yeah, that's true. Um, Con Smythe winner. Like it helps when he's actually healthy. Um, but no, like Andrew to like answer your point. Like the Lightning have been amazing the past like four to five years, and this is just the culmination of what has been, like, a great run for them. Frankly, if you had to put the over-under of, like, cup wins, I would have put, like, 1.5. Over how many years? Well, like, this core of, like, uh, Kucherov, uh, freaking Stamkos, um, uh, Braden Point, Hedman, Vasilevsky. Like, these guys are absolute studs. It reminds me kind of, like, if you look back to the early 2000s, like, Red Wings, where it's like, oh, my God, all these Hall of Famers? Same shit with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you look back at this Lightning team, you're going to think about like some of these guys be like, wow, look how many all-timers they had. But they've had some good, like the Lightning franchise as a whole has had some good all-timers. Like last time they were relevant was like the Le Cavalier St. Louis days. 
Well, that was the last time they won a cup. Yeah, that was the last time they were relevant. <laughs> they've been relevant before with this like cohort, a group. But yeah, they took a step back, then had to like draft uh, Steven number one overall, Hedman number two, and they're right back at it. But um, good for them. I think it's kind of like the Lakers winning the NBA championship where um, if the NHL had to choose a team to win, where it's like, is there going to be an asterisk? At least it was a team that fans know, respect. This is a good team. Like, this has always been a good team, and I don't think there's going to be any asterisks on that. What do you guys think, Karin and Steve? Yeah, no asterisk for me. I think uh, this playoff series showed how lethal someone like Nikita Kucherov is. I think it solidifies him as a top five Russian player of all time as well. I actually have a point on that. I, I um, will not jump the lead on that. I actually had, like, something about, like, him being a top five Russian, but go for it, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, but they've done it without Stamkos. Like, even for the majority of the last few seasons, how many games has Stamkos even played over the last, what, three years are we talking about? He's like, definitely injury he's, prone. Like, he hasn't been around. And, you know, he comes, he scores that goal, and that's it. A three-minute shift, and they still get it done, right? So Okay, so I want to actually jump on then that, like, that, that game three goal. Steven Stamkos, for that, he joins a very elite list of uh, storied stars who make one very, like, unique moment in the finals when they're injured. He joins Willis Reed in 1970, the finals of Game 7 in the NBA, who made the first two shots in the NBA Finals for the New York Knicks. And then he went off the court because he tore his quad. Yeah. And uh, they I won the championship. Willis. And also Kirk Gibson, walk-off home run in the, for the Dodgers in Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. Two torn quads. Steven Stamkos. I, was, right I wasn't paying attention. What is this list? This is a list of storied stars who like had one singular moment in a finals for their sport. And they ended up winning it. Kirk Gibson and uh, Willis Reed. Steven Scampkos joins that list. Okay. I like it. So you're saying stars with an injury. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Had what to be stars with an injury. Remember when Paul Pierce had to take a dump and they wheeled him in a wheelchair out? And they you mean when Paul Pierce in? shit his pants? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Is that yeah, but he came back the list? same game. And then game two, guess what? He was great. He was fine. This is a completely different context. Steven Scampkos played one game in the series, played like five minutes, scored a goal. It was crazy. I'm looking at a picture of Steven Stamkos right now. It looks like every piece of his face has been broken at some point. Well, he's a hockey player, so... Probably. His nose is a Z. As any good hockey player's nose is. What, you're supposed to breathe in that thing? No, that <laughs> that's for taking punches and pucks. What did you guys think of the bubble? So half the games were in Edmonton, right? And half were in Toronto? Yeah. Did you, guys, did you guys even notice watching the game? I know basketball was a little bit different. I think because the, the core is a little bit closer to fans. Did you guys like... Any different Washington? Do you even know if fans were gone? For me, it, it felt like the same. I think it uh, was probably the the least noticeable for me in hockey. Uh, with basketball, you kind of uh, feel it more. Like you said, you see the the fans on the court uh, half the time, right? With hockey, it was just it just looked like a regular game. It was it was very intense. You seen you saw a lot of fights too. There was a lot of fighting, like more than usual, yeah. I think. Well, the camera angle for hockey is always on the ice anyway. So I think baseball is lacking the most. Because baseball is such a like a sedimentary sport. So in between pitches, usually they're just watching like some fat ass eating a hot dog in a weird way. But instead they're like, oh, it's empty here. Hockey, it's just like it's all action. I want to jump on this, I guess. The one time I did notice the lack of fans was when they actually awarded the cup. Yeah. It was just dead silent. Nothing, nothing different from winning in an away stadium, though. No, know, but there's so. still people there, and there's like, and there's always the family. Also, like Tampa had that really weird celebration with uh, instead of Stephen going, the captain going solo with Gary, um, they 
brought the entire team. Like, Steve, what do you think about that? That was kind of weird, right? Yeah, I mean, Stamkos to even be there. Stamkos in his plain clothes. Yeah. Jersey, jersey like, and jeans. Hey, For- Forsberg <laughs> did that in 2001. It was a big moment, though, so. That's a great look, the jersey and jean look. Yeah, jersey no and jeans. I don't that's actually he think did. he had jeans. I'm pretty sure he was wearing, like, full hockey gear, but. <laughs> that's that's even weirder, in my opinion, just <laughs> suiting up for the cup, uh, cup lift. When you want the photo, I mean, like, you want to look in hockey gear. The thing is, I guess you're missing the fans, though, like, there weren't the same booze for uh, for Gary. Well, there was another thing too. Was uh, aside from that, yeah. But another thing too was I heard a lot of the players. There was a uh, the the audio sound that was pumped through the speakers had a weird uh, delay on some of the things. So guys are going in and like hitting the post or something, and and it was really distracting to them. I did hear that a fair bit in terms really? of the no fans there. Yeah, hmm. I I heard that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I mean the pumped in noise is uh, definitely like hit or miss. You're trying to put an artificial thing to make yeah, an authentic yeah. feel and it's just not doing the right job sounds right? like my bud light uh, goal horn uh, from budweiser <laughs> <laughs> the yes. five second delay i hate that thing it's, it's five seconds it's that's atrocious. good it's, it's atrocious. like a five minute delay i don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you're complaining about it's awesome you get to celebrate and then five seconds later you get to celebrate again yeah sounds great to me i don't know well one thing i want to say about like the tampa winning this is that i mean this has obviously been a great team for a long time and all hockey fans know that but in terms of like a storyline historical point of view this really puts to bed any questions about like some of the top lightning guys about whether they can win or not this is always like now they can essentially die in peace like steven samkos is no longer just like first overall pick great goal scorer who couldn't win now he can like finish the rest of his career and uh he's gonna get over 500 he actually might get over 600 goals currently he's at 422 79th all time He's, like, just over half a goal per game. So, like, one every two games. It's not outlandish, health-permitting, that, like, if he plays to 35-36-ish, he could pass, like, Jerome McGinley and Joe Sackick at a, at 625. That might be within, like, the top end of his range. What do you guys think? Yeah, where do Iggy and Sackick sit on the all-time there? I have to check again, but I'm pretty sure they're, like, 17th, top, uh, so top, top 15 20. area. Okay, yeah. Yeah. For me, I would bet the house. I would bet my house. That Stamkos does not get 600 goals. Those guys like Stamkos and you don't Ovechkin, think he's going to get 600 goals? No, I, oh, I, you, you don't. I, I don't think he does. Oh, for sure. Those guys like Stamkos and Ovechkin with a big shot. Like you don't have to skate anymore. Okay, yeah, so the biggest thing that happens is when to, guys to interrupt Jerome McGinley and Joe Sack because I just looked this up. Yeah. tied for 16th all time, 625 goals. Yeah. Okay. They had about 13, They had like 1500 games played. Steven Stamkos, less than a thousand games played. Now, granted, that's because of injury, uh, a lot of it, but. He, if he continues the pace he's on, he would pass them. If he can play to like about 35, injuries are obviously a big thing. And that's my, that's my issue. That's my issue with Stamkos, with goal scorers. You see Iggy, he was longevity. You see Sackick, longevity. Ovechkin, you're, you're getting 78 Ovi's games. Ovi's way up there, though. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting 78 games a, a year. You're going to have, uh, Stamkos is going to score less goals moving forward. Yeah, but the, the big thing with, like, the big thing you're noticing in NHL now is when guys start losing their ability to skate, that's when they really fall off the map. But you got guys like Ovechkin and Stamkos with the big shot. Like, you don't necessarily need that. Like, you could just sit there and just on the power play, you'll get 15, 20 a year. Just sit in there and team them off. No, I agree, but I don't think Stan that's true. Is also, the, the groin anymore. Yeah, the groin is not important yeah. for skating. So, <laughs> no, just roll is, them on in the power play and just sit them on the left. Is Younger the anomaly? Going. Wasn't that guy still getting like points and goals from all over the ice? Yeah, but Younger's like ass is like three feet wide, so no one can touch him. So, even when he couldn't skate anymore, no one could actually take yeah. the puck off. Younger he just has, turned his button. It was crazy. Do what Younger could have used. Remember my spin around move when I play hockey? <laughs> 
I only have one move. I spin around. It's pretty good. Yager, yeah, I know. I know that? that move. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, no good. No. Okay. <laughs> the thing about Yager, obviously, Andrew is like as you know, Yager played forever. He had some. I'm looking at their their stats now, like all time. Yager played 1,733 games, and like he's third all time in goal scoring. The thing about the thing about uh, Stamkos is that he's only at <laughs> he's less than a thousand. Uh, he's only at 803 games. The only person who's even near. That amount of goals in that game is uh, um, Pavel Bure, who scored a shit ton of goals did, very did, quickly. Yeah, did he score? Did Pavel Bure get six hundred? <laughs> no, the thing about Pavel Bure is he had injury issues. Yeah, so what, that that is my issue with Stamkos. It's nothing no. about skill. It's nothing about his shot. It's a it's a matter of yeah, I don't think Bure never had the big shot. Bure's game was finesse. Like, was, it was on his speed yeah. and his skill, and it started and stopped with that. So you take that out of the out of the equation. I think Stamkos is the way he is. He he doesn't need that if it goes. As a, that's as a power play specialist, yeah. yeah but Stamkos lock for over five fifty. Yeah, Definitely. I think five, I think uh, I think five fifty is where he ends. So that's like putting him in around Guy Lafleur, Mike Badano, Matt Sundin range. Yeah, sounds about right. That's where I see. It. No, hold on, Matt Sundin is top twenty. Matt Sundin has five sixty four goals. I'm looking at it right now. Don't even try to argue with me. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I had nothing. But yeah, and like, I mean, in terms of other like legacy things, I mean, Nikita Kucherov, you were talking earlier about the Russian thing. Um, Nikita Kucherov right now, like, no longer does he have to deal with the fact like, oh, he's just another skilled Russian who's soft. I mean, you look at his 128 points from a couple years ago, and he's like, oh yeah, MVP, soft, probably, right? Like, now he wins it, and now he's on track to potentially be like in the Mount Rushmore of all-time greatest Russians ever. I kind of like broke this down. I was looking at this. If you had to talk about like uh, the best Russians ever, you got like Ovi, Fedorov, Datsuk, Malkin, and then probably Kucherov. Likely surpassing, he'll likely surpass guys like Alexander McGilney, Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, those are fighting words, man. I don't think you're going to say have on this pod. Okay, wait, wait. Fighting words to... My email is still Steven underscore McGilney at hotmail.com yeah, Elmo, from Elmo, like Elmo 12 was, years Elmo back. Elmo sick, man. Yeah, Elmo no, but like... McGilney was like a, first a trailblazer no, no for Russians. Though. No cups though, right? Yeah, well, yeah. trailblazer yeah, for Russians. he played for the freaking Leafs. <laughs> Near the end of his career. Yeah, um, when he was on Buffalo, he was, he was killing it. Led the team in yeah, scoring. He was great, but... Leafs. So, then, but... That's the thing about Kucherov, right? He's amazing. He's doing great things. If you look at his track record, he may end up surpassing what McGilding did during his career. That's kind of like where his career is heading. Yeah, the cup puts him there. The, you can make the argument because of the cup, right? And that's, that's, that's why thing. that cup is so yeah. big for his resume and his career because, you know, Kucherov, 547 points, 515 games. He's young. He has a cup. There's still a couple of years of Tampa Bay can still yeah. win. So, yeah, yeah, you can put him in the top three maybe. Definitely too. ahead of the guys like Kovalev. 11 Yashin. Yeah, for sure. I want to switch over to the, the actual cons my Twitter then in uh, Victor Hedman. There's a very interesting debate with Victor Hedman in that with everything he's done, and again, like this is about the legacy thing that this Stanley Cup win does for the Lightning players. I think Victor Hedman has a very good case by the end of his career to be considered the second best Swedish defenseman of all time. Um, you have Nicholas Lidstrom, and then there's another guy ahead of him in points right now for a defenseman from Sweden, and that's a guy by the name of Eric Carlson. I don't know if his 30s are going to go as well as his 20s. What do you think, Steve? We're going to get talking about the Leafs. I think Hedman's the guy where you're, where you're sitting and you're talking about teams that they have good defensive players. Hedman is that guy, like that guy that everybody wants in their team. He's a big guy. He's not easy to play against, and he can make passes. He can make shots. He's everything you want. I think Hedman's going to go down as one of the best defensemen in the last... 20 30 years i can't i can't argue with that like honestly i think like hedman like is starting to set himself apart 
along with Eric Carlson, frankly, as like two of the best defensemen in their entire generation. I will say though that like Victor, uh, you know, like at the at the end of the finals and when Victor won the Consmite, they were saying like, oh my God, he scored 22 points throughout the season. That's like one of the all-time highest things for defensemen. Good for Victor. Carlson's 2017 playoffs Crazy. <laughs> with, with Ottawa. I don't know if a defenseman has played better. He scored 18 points, four fewer than Hedman, in like six fewer games. 18 points in 19 games. Obviously had that amazing saucer pass to Mike Hoffman in the second round. But like Carlson in his 20s was an absolute stud. And I don't know, I think through their 30s, I think Hedman will probably take it given his size and durability because I don't know if Carlson's durability is going to be able to last with uh, San Jose. I I think the difference there with Carlson's uh, run and Hedman's run this year is Hedman was a piece to a well-oiled machine while Carlson was the team for that Sens year. He he was driving it. Like yeah, he, he was driving the offense and the defense. He was the quarterback, he was the coach. He was everything. So I would say that was that was a better performance uh from Carlson, but um since then what has happened, right? Like uh, he has foot issues now and uh it's going to be tough to get back to that quality of play. See, that's an interesting take with like when so like when a team like Carlson's on Ottawa and Ottawa doesn't really have much going, like what would you rather have? Would you have would you rather have one guy that drives the whole team or would you rather have a guy like Hedman there's all these stars on Tampa Bay, and almost every play, Hedman was... Anytime they scored and Hedman had a point on it, it was like Hedman did something. You saw that from the start of the play, whether it was a turnover, whether it was the breakout, whether he was slapping it in, like, you're like, holy crap, that's the guy I want there, you know? Yeah, Hedman's definitely, like, he's been more of a slow burner. He's always been good, but, like, he's been taking steps every single year. And, obviously, when you were watching the games during this playoffs, Hedman's the rover. He's in and out. He's going all over the place just been absolutely like unbelievable to give Eric Carlson some credit. I really don't know and frank- frankly I don't think that Hedman could do what Carlson did during those playoff runs <laughs> like the excellence that like Carlson reached. I don't think Hedman gets there just cuz like that's frankly not his game. He's that's much a, more of a, a steady point, presence. Though. It's a good point because um playing with superstars is super difficult, you know, and uh Hedman was playing with a bunch of people up front that can put up 100 points, and that's a hard place to be. Uh, as you can see with uh, Carlson on, on the Sharks, he's playing with a bunch of superstars, and it's kind of difficult to pass it off and let other people run the, the offense. So, yeah, I, I agree with that point, actually. Like, it's uh, the way Hedman played. You might have actually even changed my mind there. Like, Hedman was a superstar amongst other superstars, while Carlson, you know, when you're, like, uh, playing – Playing hockey when you're the best player on the team and everyone else is trash. You, you yeah, feel like everyone's giving a, it to you. You're yeah, driving you're just everything. You're such a superstar. You're, you got 20 points yeah. in 10 games. Yeah. But you play with on a good team, you get like four points. They're, 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 they're skating trash. over the blue and they're like, what am I doing? Let me give it to that guy. Exactly, he'll, he'll do a good right? play, right? So, For yeah, sure. I think, uh, yeah, wins the con Smythe as well. I think solidifies himself as a top five Swedish defensive of all time. Well, top five. I mean, if you look at the Swedish, def- it's. It's top three. Yeah. Well, you you can put Salming uh, second still. I think. Yeah, Boreas uh, still has more um, more points, career points than uh, Carlson or uh, Hedman. But I think both of them are tracking towards like being better. One thing I will finish on Hedman then is, and this is the the reality of a cap world. You become what your contract is. Hedman, seven point eight seven five, less than eight million dollars per year, less than Petrangelo, who just signed with Vegas Golden Knights, which we'll get into, and obviously Carlson, eleven million for the next eight, well seven now. That's going to affect how people think of them because 
that extra, those extra millions of dollars that Victor is giving up is something that his team can take and add a really good player. Maybe like, for example, sign Braden Point to an extension. Whereas Eric Carlson cashed in. Where's San Jose now? They did basically the Brian Burke for Phil Kessel trade uh, <laughs> a blueprint and uh, traded a top five pick that they probably shouldn't have. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Inquisitive Bro Podcast. We know you listen to us, but more importantly, we want to hear from you. Did you disagree with one of our takes? Did you catch a mistake that we made? Do you have your own take about something we discussed that maybe we didn't consider or failed to mention? If that's the case, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram, at The Inquisitive Bro. Or even if you want to just reach out and say what up, that's cool too. If you make a good point, bring us an interesting take of your own, or you get us talking about something cool you brought to the table, you just may hear us giving you a shout out and discussing your take on our next podcast. All right, well, we're not done yet. As always, thanks for listening. Now, back to the pod. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to then just current issues with uh, Tampa, dealing with a very uh, known situation with a cup winners, and that's the fact that now they're cap strapped and they tried to trade Tyler Johnson, didn't work, so they decided to get around his no trade clause and uh, they tried to waive him. No one picked him up, and now they're still stuck with him. Guys, what are your thoughts on uh, Tampa's cap situations now? They're in the same boat as pretty much everybody else is these days. There's this weird. It's, it's almost like it's a parody around the league where no one wants to touch these guys. Like, you even talk about Vegas trying to give up Flurry for... They're keeping half his salary. They're giving you a second-round pick, and you're getting Flurry at $3.5 million. I think that's a steal for... I don't, I don't I'm think surprised the, no team took it, yeah, but like, I think yeah, they were doing that. I think there's half the teams in the NHL that don't have a good... They don't have a bat, like a starter goalie that's anywhere near as good as Flurry is, and they're running two backups out there, and no one wants to touch it. Now, it's it's especially this year, it's weird. There's... The, the focus on keeping your cap space open is more important than the players you're getting for the value. And it's kind of it's kind of throwing everything off a little bit. Right. I will say about this year, though, there's other considerations than just what your cap hit is, is the fact like how rich is your owner? Because they're the guys that own the team. And they're the guys that make decisions. Real time money is going to be an actual issue where what is the owner willing to spend? A lot of these owners have like businesses and hotels, restaurants, etc. Things that have been hit extremely hard by COVID. Like, yo, I'm just trying to reach the cap floor. That's what a lot of guys are doing. That's the Eugene Melnick play. And he picks up all those guys that have one million on their salary, but their cap hits five million. Yeah, exactly. Front loaded contracts. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> Maybe Eugene doesn't understand the cap hit versus the actual. Oh, salary. he knows. No, he no, knows no. what he's doing. He knows what the he's finances. Picking the guys are. that have the cap hits that are at five million. Like like Frederick Anderson this year is one million real real dollars and five million. If at least one to trade him, like yeah, Melnick would jump all over a guy like in that a cap world. That's a in a cap world. That's how the Leafs. Uh, use their financial might by giving all these like pre-season bonuses um, that made Freddie's uh, trade value higher but obviously like the Leafs have decided like we're not going to trade them and there's been a run on goalies and free agency when we talk about but uh, the Lightning are primed for an offer sheet but guys I don't think they're going to get it they have their big RFAs and Eric Chernak Mikhail Servachev and Anthony Sorelli um, I guess you guys are probably thinking that Sergeyev is the guy who's going to get the most money out of those guys right? Oh, definitely. Srujev is, I think he's uh, one of the top uh, young defensemen in the league. And uh, they have to kind of do, they kind of have to find someone for Tyler Johnson. Like, that's the only way. Yanni Gorday is just too good, in my opinion, to to send him right. off somewhere. What about Alex Kaloran? Because you touched on something where it's like, Tampa could, because they are such a good team. They do have other depth guys with certain contracts that they can get rid of. Do you think that, like, Tyler Johnson coming off a really bad year, do you think there's other avenues they can go off? Like, Yanni Gord. They don't really want to give him up. Alex Kaloran could be an option. What about Ryan McDonough? I don't think McDonough's going anywhere. I don't think anyone's touching anyone's touching that. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't think anyone's going any, anyone's going anywhere near that. 
they may they may end up having to go the route where like you might see like a guy like Kalorn being traded and they might actually have to hold some salary back because even him at what's he at 4.45 like that's you know that's a great contract for a very usable player but Mm. there's gonna be teams that don't want to touch that for another three years I think what's gonna happen if I had to project what I think is gonna happen with uh Tampa is that you know the expansion draft giveth and it taketh away and I think it's been one of those situations where like the blueprint with Vegas is there. Seattle knows how to hamstring teams into giving them exactly what they want. Tampa might be one of those teams who's like, hey, we're going to give you a give you a draft pick. And can you also take Tyler Johnson off our hands? But that's not until next year, though, right? That's true. So they might have to wait. You know, they're going to have to do something. Um, but something like forward, that or Ryan McDonough, sure. like Ryan McDonough. Look, he's 31 now. Prime his career. But he signed for until the end of the 25-26 season at 6.75. Maybe you're thinking, like, okay, like, by the time he's 34, 35, he might not be that good. And why don't you guys uh, try to take that off our hands? I'd be interested to see if they actually chip Sorelli off somewhere. If you're just trying to, like, you just focus on Sergeyev here. Like, clearly the numbers don't work in Tampa Bay, and they've got to do something. And it's just what other people are willing to take off their hands, right? Well, speaking of numbers, um, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast with uh, Elliot Freeman, and apparently uh, the Lightning have talked to Steven Stamkos about potentially uh, waiving his no-move clause. Do you guys do you guys see Steven not playing for Tampa at some point soon? I see it. I feel like uh, this team can win without Stamkos, as they proved, right? And that's $8.5 million, and they have him signed for four more years. He's... he's like I said earlier, I think Stamkos is going to start showing his age. I just feel like he's been injury prone in the last four years. And getting that off their balance sheet would solve all their problems. So I think uh, we could see a lightning team without Stamkos. And it's not like it's a huge risk, eight and a half for another four years, that he's 30 years old right now. Like, I think Petrangelo's signing is a lot more of a risk, like how long that's running through to the end of his career there. Yeah, like the more term you have on a player, the more risk you have. Um, let's move then to really quickly the um the cup loser, um, and that is the <laughs> Dallas Stars. What do you guys think of the way the Dallas Stars played during this finals, and uh, just thoughts on that? I think they're almost a Cinderella story. I like they're a great team, but I didn't expect them to go to the finals at all. Um, all their they kind of have that blueprint of these kind of how the Leafs are trying to get like from Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons. They have the Joe Pavelski. They have uh, the Corey Perry that played really well in the playoffs. And I think that's kind of what the Leafs are hoping for as well from uh, the three guys that they signed. And I was pretty surprised, but at the same time, Stamco scored one goal less than Tyler Sagan. So I think if Sagan showed up, they could have been the, the cup winner. Stamco scored one goal more than Tyler Sagan in the finals. In the finals, yeah, but exactly. Like, they were both injured, just one was playing. Yeah, Dallas is one of those teams that, you know, they've been in the basement for a few, they're kind of hit and miss. Sometimes they're close to a playoff spot, sometimes they're finishing 12th or 13th, and when you look at the makeup of their roster, I, I'm surprised they made it to the finals, but I'm more surprised that they have kind of struggled to make the playoffs in the last few years, given what they have. Yeah, I mean, they obviously, they, they had that really bad year, and then their, uh, their owner called them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then they made the uh, the conference finals last year. I actually thought this was random too until I looked at previous cup finals matchups. And I realized that in hockey, this is kind of like a middle of the road randomness. Since 2000, I made a list of like more random teams than, uh, than these Dallas Stars. Uh, more random losers, I should say, than these Dallas Stars. I'm curious what you guys think. So you got the Anaheim Mighty Ducks in 03. They were the seventh seed. Didn't Anaheim get back to the finals against the, in 06, but yeah. very different team. It was the Devils, right? 
Um, no, they lo- they beat the Senders. I know this because I have a family from Ottawa, and it's a big rivalry between Leafs and Sens, obviously. So I was very happy to see them not win the Cup. Um, then you got the Flames in 04, also a seventh seed. Lost the Lightning. Oilers in 06. Definitely Oilers in 06. I remember Fernando Pisani was like the the greatest player of all time. Yeah, that that's a Apex Mountain for uh, Ryan Smith. Oh, yeah, and Ryan Smith. <laughs> and Dwayne Rolson. Um, <laughs> then... Skip a few years. Philadelphia Flyers, 2010. Another Chris Bonger team, another random one that kind of like random, made it. Random, but had some solid pieces. They did, but they were also seventh in their conference, and they just kind of like had a magical run. And then finally, I put this in like, although they were actually a very good team, Golden Knights in 2018. Surprising in the sense that they're an expansion yeah. team, even though they won their division. On Pisani had 18 points in 24 games in that 06. I love game. how you're looking up Fernando Pisani right now. 18 points. This guy's career high was 37 points in a whole season, and he puts up 14 goals. Yeah. But that's the beauty of hockey. You always yeah. get stuff like that. You always get a team that finishes a low seed, and you always have some third or fourth liner that's basically not done much. Like Justin Williams has made his whole career off of it, and he's on any team, he's at best, at the best point in his career, a second line player. Like, he's not that top dog guy, but he's the guy you want in the playoffs, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Mr. Game 7, third liner, pay him $5 million, because if we get to a Game 7, we know he'll score it one used, goal. It used to be Maxime Jelena's was the, the Mr. Game 7 prior to Justin <laughs> Williams. So, yeah, it does happen. It does occur. It's really unfortunate that they were just so banged up. Obviously, every team, after they get eliminated and after the playoffs, they release their. Um, like, list of actual injuries. Everyone knows that you play through injuries. Tampa was actually relatively unscathed during this, and that's one of the reasons why they won. Guys, here's a list of the injuries that the Dallas Stars suffered. Okay, so, Jamie Benn, shoulder surgery right before the right before the uh, the bubble. Had a separated shoulder. Tyler Sagan played through a torn labrum in his hip. Ben Bishop, he was out. Knee surgery. Blake Como, separated shoulder. Radek Fasca, broken wrist. Rupe Heinz, fractured ankle. Anton Hudobin had arm numbness, even though he played great. Their top two defensemen, Miro Heiskanen and John Klimberg, hip issue and shoulder, respectively, and Essa Lindell, broken hand. Guys, these guys were freaking just so banged up by the end of it. Yeah, I agree with that, and and but at the same time, that kind of happens to a lot of teams. There, I don't know. There's something weird when those lists get released. When I whenever I read them, I kind of get this weird feeling. It's like it's it's done. You know, like we kind of know it. I know it kind of it, it sucks, but like that happens to everyone. Like. I don't know. It's just like it's almost like a yeah. sob story a bit, you know? Yeah, it's almost actually surprising it, when people aren't injured. And it's like, oh, you guys were healthy. For what sure. the fuck was wrong with you? You weren't trying hard enough. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Carlson and that uh, run we were talking about earlier. I think he had like, broken a, ankle. Definitely broken. Yeah, a broken foot or something. Yeah. Run right. So yeah, I agree with you. When they get released after the fact, it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. So now what? Like, what do you want? You want want me to feel bad about them? They could have won, or what's what's the point, right? Yeah. So, but speaking on. Uh, the best Swedish defenseman earlier. How about Miro Heiskanen? Does he does he become the best Finnish defenseman of all time? I think so. That's for sure. There's no one else. There's uh, literally him and maybe Tommy Salo and Kimo Timonen. Like I think Heiskanen 100% after that playoffs. Uh, 26 this is a points. meaningless stat. All you're saying is the Finns suck at hockey. You no, know, but they do Heiskanen not suck was, at hockey. Yeah, but Heiskanen, they have not had legendary defensemen. Yeah, but Heiskanen, the way he played that series and in that playoff run was unbelievable. I think he is literally yeah. one of the yeah. best defensemen in the league. Miro is when you talk about like the top young defensemen coming up in the league. You talk about Cal McCarr, like Quinn Hughes. Miro's right there. 
he's a stud and he's going to be for a long time. He's a great player. Yeah, when you talk about like we were talking about like Carlson and Hedman and the those guys that teams just like they're begging for. They they wish they get like Heiskanen's one of those guys where you you draft these guys and they turn out in a couple of years you're like, yeah, he's he's up for a contract renewal after next year. You just you're throwing the bank at him because yeah. those are the guys you want. Yeah, this guy's untradeable. Like you're not if you're the least you're not going to trade Captain for him. <laughs> So instead, you have to get a first round pick. I think he might have the had the best playoff series for a young defenseman ever. Like honestly, like he's only twenty one years old and put up twenty plus points as defenseman. Absolutely incredible. No, it's it's a huge deal when you're a franchise, especially with veteran and really good forwards like the Stars to have also a young stud defenseman. The only issue is then like that that entry level contract is only so long, and then it's like oh shit, now it's time to extend him, and you got to really extend him. Um, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, let's take a break. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the pod so far. You know, here at the Inquisitive Bro, we're always thinking about ways to enhance your listening experience. And that's why I'm very excited to tell you about a new podcast add-on we're doing called Pod Notes. Now you may be wondering, well, what are Pod Notes and where can I find them? Well, basically, during the podcast, you may hear us from time to time make references to videos, images, charts, or graphs that we can't visually share with you because... Well, you're listening to us. This is where pod notes come in. All the visual references that we make during the podcasts are going to be bundled into a single Instagram post that you can find on our Instagram page at the Inquisitive Bro. So, starting with this podcast that you're listening to right now, we're going to be doing pod notes. So, look out for this pod's pod notes and the pod notes for future pods to come. Now, back to the pod. Okay, switching gears a little bit now. We're done with the uh, the cup talk. It's off season time, which means. Anyone can win the cup now, and uh, you guys are working towards it. So let's talk about like some of the big signings here, and obviously the biggest fish in this year's uh, free agency class was uh, Alex Petrangelo, who was blindsided apparently when uh, St. Louis signed Tory Krug and decided to go to Vegas for seven years at uh, eight point eight uh, million dollars AAV. Guys, what do you think of this signing? I think uh, I think it's a perfect signing for. Uh the Vegas Golden Knights that they they need one piece to put them over the hump and I think uh, Petro and Shea Theodore are are going to be the best one two punch in the league. Petro's one of the, like another really good young defenseman, all these little like older than uh, Miro Heiskanen and like uh, Quinn Hughes and all that, but like he has exploded onto the scene. His his peripherals look amazing. You mean uh, Theodore, right? Shea Theodore. Yeah, who did I say? I think you said Petro. Yeah, I meant Shea Theodore. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those players I I thought the Leafs should have picked up uh, a couple of seasons ago when he went. Could have, would have, should have. Like, like he was always a highly touted uh, player. I don't know why the Ducks kind of just let him go for nothing. But him and Nate like, Schultz on Vegas, there. Schultz is another guy I think can, yeah. can play really well in a top four role. But on to Petrangelo, like a thirty year old, eight point eight for seven years. Like we talk about guys that you need to keep your speed to be able to play past your, you know, your 34s, your 35s. That's why a guy like Patrick Marlowe is still relatively useful. He still has his legs behind him. Um, I don't know. I'd be a little, I'd be a little weary with Petrangelo past, you know, in the next four seasons. Like, I think that's gonna be a pretty big drop off. But do you guys adhere, adhere to the theory that like these types of players become UFAs so infrequently that when he's there, you got to do what it takes to sign him. I think so too, but the, uh, I don't know if you've, if you've, heard what's going on in vegas though a lot of players are getting they're getting pretty annoyed out there because they're they're bringing in these big guys and they're shipping there's there's no loyalty there so guys don't want to sign there there's a it's a bit of a 
I don't know, it's not a movement going on yet, but there's some chatter going on, right? Oh my god! Well, the amount of turnover that Vegas has had, like in the three years that they've been a, that they've been a team, they've had nine significant trades and like a bunch of other trades. Like they move players so often that it, like it makes Jim Rutherford look like a prude. Um, like I actually tracked Jim it down. Rutherford makes Jim Rutherford look like a prude. <laughs> <laughs> but so I tracked it down actually. Like so, their first year, three team trade. Um, they traded for Ryan Reeve, Derek, Derek Broussard. They also got Thomas Tatar. Then that offseason, they trade Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki in the second round pick for Max Pacioretty. They also signed Paul Stastny. Then they acqui- during the season, they acquire Mac- Mark Stone for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh in the second round pick. Um, they trade Eric Halla. Uh, they acquire Alec Martinez, acquire Robin Leonard. And then this offseason, they've salary dumped Paul Stastny, salary dumped Nate Schmidt, Signed Petrangelo. Like, they're moving guys left, right, and center. They're already over the cap. They're going to have to make another move. Guys like Max Petretti, um and uh, Alec Martinez are on the trade block right away. And, yeah, teams and players are angry. Yeah, they're running it like it's a, like it's a video game. Like, you pick franchise mode in NHL 21, and that's what they're running it. But yeah. you, you, don't, you haven't seen that in ever, I guess, right? Well, that's what happens when you're, fr- when you're an expansion team, I guess, and you're afforded the flexibility that Vegas was given from the expansion draft where they got actually good players. They had all this cap space, all these picks, and they've slowly but surely uh, using the flexibility to have like this veteran team. But in a few years from now, like they're, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to win. They're one of the best teams in the league. And um, if they don't win, then pretty soon they'll just be like a normal run of the mill team that's aged out. And then you have some issues because all their guys are starting to get no move clauses and um, I don't know what you're going to have to do. But Petrangelo is going to be great for them. Like, not much else to say about that. What do you think, Karn? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, core of defensemen. Alec Martinez, Theodore Petro, Brady McNabb as well. Not not a slouch there either. I think uh, even Zach Whitecloud, he's, he's pretty good as a young defenseman there, 23 years old. Yeah, they got like a young Cody Glass who's going to be able to playing their uh, top nine so we'll see what he can do on an entry-level contract but he was uh he was a top five pick right i think he was i think it was fifth yeah, overall was in their first draft there. so we'll see what he does but hockey wise like other than the internal strife whatever it's like it's a business be big boys and like deal with it hockey wise this team is really good and karen when we had our last hockey pod we both said we thought vegas would win um although i did have tampa in the final so i'll give myself credit for that um vegas has got to be one of the couple who they say out of the east do you remember I don't. I don't remember. No, I'd have to re-listen. I thought you might have had Tampa as well. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's some weird shit like the Flyers. But yeah, hockey-wise, like Vegas is amazing. Let's move to uh, the other top dog in this UFA uh, class, and also one of the most interesting moves I've seen in a while. Taylor Hall signs a one-year, eight million dollar contract with Buffalo. Uh, I'll start with you, Karen. What do you think about that? Well, they they have to perform now. Like, uh, they're, they're that type of team that has tried to fill their holes with, like, Kyle Poso and a bunch of other uh, free agent signings, and it's never worked out. But I think this is kind of their, their last year to try, or Jack Eichel's going to be super pissed off. He's going to be frustrated. Like, that kid wants to win, and he doesn't want to be, like, Connor McDavid stuck in the Oilers. He wants to – he wants to – I think he wants to leave this team. At least team Connor and, McDavid's been to playoffs twice. Yeah, I think he want. I think Jack Eichel. If nothing happens this year, he's gonna ask for a trade. Just by his body language, it looks. It seems that way. I'm surprised he hasn't asked already. But like, pretty interesting move for Hall. Like, 
apparently the big money deals weren't there. I thought that like Montreal was primed to offer Taylor Hall just like a stupid long and like expensive deal, but they spent that stupid money on Josh Anderson, which we can get into. Jack Eichel's the best center that Taylor Hall's ever played with. Um, there's a great opportunity for him to put up big stats and like go into free agency afterwards. Also, like if Buffalo sucks, they can probably trade him. He's probably gonna make the playoffs, like one way or another. Like Buffalo isn't even a goalie right now, though, right? They're just sitting on Car- Carter Hutton, yeah. Which is weird because goalies were flipping left, right, and center this off season, and yeah, you think they would jump on someone? They don't I mean, even have a backup sign. <laughs> I don't know what Terry Pagula's like financial situation is. He's got a couple teams he owns, and like again, you don't know. But I don't think Taylor Hall is in Buffalo long term. I think he's a one and done there. I mean, they they still have to sign Sam Reinhart to an extension. Um, I don't think they can afford Taylor Hall for like a long term deal. They stupidly bought high on <laughs> Jeff Skinner after his forty goal season, and now he's making nine million dollars. Incredible deal! Incredible, like for his guy. agent. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like Jeff Skinner and his agent. Congratulations, you guys cashed nine out. Milli, nine milli, nine pro at like seven more years. It's oh my god, he's <laughs> he's going on forever. That's kind of like showing the difference with the market between last year and this year. Like yeah. you, if you had one good season last year, like they were throwing the money, you had, you could command whatever you wanted. And then you got a guy like Taylor Hall out here who's it's I'm surprised no team. How does no team throw seven years, eight million dollars at Taylor? He's 28 years old. You get him until he's 35. Well, I don't think he'd want seven at eight. This is actually like an underlying question with Taylor. Like if you guys were a GM, like what would you give him? If you look at his stats, you know, very clearly what his MVP year is because it's the one outlier year. Otherwise, he's had one other season where he had 80 points. He's only had three seasons where he's had plus 60 points. Otherwise, he's 50 points. I don't know what you'd give him. Like, if you're trying to negotiate a long-term deal, he's so up and down. And he's had a very weird career, granted. Yeah, definitely. But if you... Like, for me, like, if you look at guys and you you think about guys, are Taylor Hall's a top-line player on most teams, no? Would you not agree to that? No, I would. I think um, unless you're, like, a super stack team, then he'd be, like, in your... Uh, second line but like most every team he's basically your your top line left winger yeah so for me it's like i don't know but i'm surprised that no one I'm but are you gonna get are you gonna give him eight eight figures or would you pay 10 million dollars for taylor hall for like six years? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay 10 adam but there's i'm surprised there was no other offer and if his only offer was like there's got to be something better than buffalo like i don't buffalo's got some good players but like buffalo's not poised to make the playoffs this, this year it's not like he decided he wanted to do one year and get his money now and go go sign with a team that he knows is going somewhere like you don't know what you're getting with buffalo according to elliot freeman who's pretty plugged in from taylor's hall taylor hall's camp um the long-term deals they didn't like the aav that was involved um it wasn't nearly as high as they thought in fact a lot of teams actually called it one-year deals one of them was vegas they offered him one year five million dollars which he turned down colorado which was one of the teams that people thought he would sign long-term with they just they just didn't go after him um, so it came to Buffalo with their one year, $8 million deal. He didn't want to be stuck, um, missing a chair in this game of musical chairs. That is free agency. Just decided to jump on it and kind of like a prove it deal. So, I mean, with Jack Eichel, you'd like to think that he can get 80 plus points, but I mean, it's a big risk. Cause if he doesn't, if he goes back to like 65 points, but she's like been basically his whole career, even though he looks flashy, then like, what are you, what are you going to get? That's the best bet. Then bet on yourself, right? That's yeah. your best bet. Okay. Let's move on to some of the Canadian teams. Start with the Leafs. Finally. I've been waiting for this moment. The whole damn pod. Leafs, let's go. Let's actually go back to when they got eliminated. I got lots to say about that. Okay. Okay. We can talk about when they got eliminated. Cause Andrew wasn't on this last NHL pod. Andrew, what are some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the underlying trauma that you want to get, uh, get off your chest. 
about well, the Leafs getting eliminated. it was a five-game series. We still lost. We couldn't even win the gimmick series. We're still soft. Steve was pissed. What game did we rent out the Cineplex? That was the final game, right? That was the final game, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we decided that because of COVID, it was really easy to rent out a whole Cineplex to watch the Leafs' uh, final game. So we did that. And we basically got to watch the Leafs lose by ourselves. That was pretty fun. Should have chose game four when they came back from three goals in like two minutes. That even a- that, just going through the mo as a Leaf fan, going through the motions of like I wasn't watching with you, D, but uh, game three and game four, like that, that was that was an emotional wreck over there. You don't know what this team's bringing to the table. Like they decide they want to play for ten minutes, then they they just take a nap for the rest of the game. Like it, it's here and there the whole time. That's why I actually think some of the signings that they've got going on now. They're not great players. They're guys definitely beyond their prime. Even Wayne Simmons at 32 is beyond his prime. But at a million and a half, he's, he's these are the guys you want. They got some jam to play against. So when when the going gets tough and and, and teams really get on you, you got guys that you can you can really give a, a bit of a pushback with. And I think that's what they lacked in this past series. There was no pushback. Like Columbus shut them down and they just they took a nap. They pulled it over. Was, this was a very soft team. Lacked. I mean, this is now a buzzword in Leafland, but lacked competitiveness this was not a competitive team um other than like the stars were flashy but again like didn't like get in the trenches um <laughs> at one point in game five the game isn't even over yet but it's looking pretty bleak i can't find steve so i'm like whatever this game's done let me go see where he's at i go open the cineplex door there's nobody else in the whole building right steve is pacing the hallway just trying to cool himself down <laughs> that's what the, that's what leaves do to me that's 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 the problem which could, i'm hoping is a solution coming forward i don't know i can see that um, full disclosure to the listeners out there, uh, all four of us are Leafs fans, so expect extreme bias in these next little, these next little, uh... I try um, not to be biased, like, yeah. I, I want them to win, that's where my bias is, but, yeah, in terms of, like, roster construction and all stuff like that, you try your best not to. Right. I think, I think this Leafs squad, uh, I think what they're trying to do is kind of mimic that 0-3-0-4 season where we have Joe Newendike and we have Ron Francis and all these older guys coming in and everyone was pissed off that we were trading first-round picks, second-round picks. But we were getting these guys for a million dollars. Yeah, one-year flyers. One and a half, 700K. Like, I think these are the type of players that this squad needs to get over the hump. And they might not be the guys that are running the team, but we need those third, fourth liners that are going to work hard and grind every shift. And not they're not going to take a shift off or a game off. So I think uh, these three guys are the perfect uh, perfect recipe for, for no, these. That, that sounds like crap. This Thornton signing feels like a Lindros signing. Kind of. Like, there's similarities. No, I, I just, bad, though. No, but I, I yeah. entirely disagree. He got, he, he like, got hurt. Thornton can't skate anymore, and he's going to be slow coming up the ice, but he's he got plays with some he plays with some jam. Like, how long ago was that, that fight that Kadri had with Thornton where he ripped his beard off? That was only two seasons ago. Yeah. So he was still Lind- 39. Lindros has jam. Lindros doesn't. Lind- yeah. No, Lindros, Lindros is a completely different player. Lind- Lindros, Lindros, Lindros brain was scrambled at that yeah, point yeah. in time. And he still like, he's still up the points. ice, and he's seen 40 guys up there. Who it was it was Pronger or Lindros who had all the concussions? Lindros. Both. Well, yeah, both. Lindros is who Stevens lit up. Right. Yeah, Lindros got lit up by Stevens three times. <laughs> yeah, but the that, second time was when he was definitely washed up. The Big E actually Joe that Thor- season played pretty well though. Like he, he did. Was, he, he just got hurt. He only played like thirty games. Though, yeah, right? he only played thirty go- games. But the games he played, he was actually he pretty good. Like eleven goals or something. Yeah, like Wasn't that the Jason Blake year? No, I mean, let's not get into Jason Blake. These I don't really, want to touch that because Andrew, we're not going to bring up like those years Jason Blake. Of the Leafs yeah, Jason Blake was awful, and like, he put up like sixty points. When you just stop, no one wants to hear about Jason Blake. Points no. for the Islanders, and then we bring him in. And it's like no, I'm good. Yeah, a lot of guys get 135 points in the Islanders. Didn't Matt Molson put up 30 goal seasons for like five yeah, years I mean, in the Islanders? Come on. Yeah. Um. So just. 
going on the Leafs, then, uh, obviously a lot of different players in. Like, in the team are uh, TJ Brody, four years at uh, $5 million. AAV, Zach Bogosian, Wayne Simmons, Jimmy Vesey, Joe Thornton, obviously. Also, Alexander Bar- Barabanov and uh, Miko Letnin. Um... We have lighting it up over there overseas there. KHL's got a good chance. Player, of the player of the week, yeah. maybe. Let's go. So actually, then you guys are touching on one of the questions I had about this team in general. Uh, there's clearly a log jam in D when it comes to kind of like your uh, four, five, six guys. You got Lettinen, Bogosian, Hall, Dermot, Sandine, and Lilligren. I I don't think Lilligren's going to play, but point is they're all like third type pairing defensemen. Uh, do you guys think there's a trade coming? I'd be I'd be interested to see what they do with Dermot. Dermot's an interesting player. Still he's, an unsigned RFA. He's got the speed. He plays with a bit of an edge, and he can move the puck well. It's just for some reason he didn't figure it out in the last like year and a bit. And I'm pretty high on Dermot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up dealing him because uh, there's just there's just no space there anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, just Dermot just seems like he has all the skills necessary to succeed, but there's something that kind of holds him back and I can't put it I guess, I guess it's hockey IQ that's kind of the only thing you can pit it against but yeah I think uh, Dermot uh, there's a log, log jam there and can't see uh, who else he's going to replace I kind of agree with you guys I think Dermot is prime for a trade because he's the type of guy who's like he's good enough to get noticed young enough that like there's still potential but he hasn't been able to pull through and like I think he has top four potential but he hasn't gotten there yet and we can't wait for him to become the top four I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that we look to move if we can get someone better. I don't know who that is, but I think there is a trade coming. Um, I don't think we want to trade Sandine, who's still in his ELC, I should say. Um, quickly on Thornton, then. Uh, where do you guys see him playing, and do you think he's going to be successful in that role? I see him sitting in the bottom six somewhere. I don't know, I I don't know if it's fourth line or third line. Everyone's got their opinions on that, but, uh, you know, Thornton... He's a guy that's played on the wing a little bit. He's played mostly center, and you can put him. You can put him anywhere. And if Thorne can still pass, that's his. That's his thing. He can't skate super well, but he can still move the puck around. And I think he's still a valuable player. He might get some power play time depending on how it shakes up. Here's an idea. Why don't we move Marner's lazy, overpaid ass and get some actual depth on this team? How's that sound? Marner was on track for like ninety plus points this season. Still really good. It's not the time for that. Although uh, the guy we drafted. Rodian Amarov, most Leafsy pick ever, diminutive, skilled winger. Um, I kind of had a point on this. I wonder what you guys are thinking. Um, do you guys think he's ultimately Nylander Marner insurance? He's probably two years away, one year away. Um, looks like he could be like a top six skilled winger. Sounds like we kind of got a lot of those. I think Dubas naturally, um, he's more inclined to go after those types of guys, which to his credit, when he signs Simmons and Thorne and all these guys in the offseason shows that he's trying to do something a little bit different. But for the most part, that's how he's run his drafts, how he's run his teams. And I don't know if all these guys are going to pan out. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on, uh, I'm not sure on the pick right now and it's up in the air, but. Well, when I texted Karn about the pick, yeah. <laughs> do you remember what take you had? No. What was it? It's I like say he, a lot of crazy things. He's so. like, he better not be the Russian Nick the Tan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah was, he seems like it. He looks like it, that's for sure. Just looking at his, uh, just how, how he looks, he looks like a Nick Patan. So. Is Nick Patan still under contract for yeah, the Leafs? Yeah, he is. I don't even mind Patan. I can throw him in the bottom, like, last line there. He's all right. 
Yeah, you want I mean, to draft Nick Patan though in the first round? That's the that's the well. Question. That's the Winnipeg Jets' fault. <laughs> yeah, when did when did Patan go? He went high, right? Yeah, he exactly. went like seventeenth or something. Yeah, something. Um, okay, let's switch. Uh, let's switch tracks and then go to one. No, let's, let's do some early predictions for the Leaf season, just to like get everybody's opinions on record. How do we how do we see the season going, Karn? Well, Karn, give me. I know you had a hot take in the opening with that leaves. First of all, before the first he, round, before he answers, uh, I should note that like there's, it's very, it, it seems increasingly likely that the NHL is going to switch up the uh, divisional yeah. um, uh, structure and it's going to be an all Canadian division. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say it. I think the Leafs. We're going to go 21 like, and 0 against the Sens. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Le- I think the Leafs are the best Canadian team through and through, and uh, I think we win that division. Yeah, we okay. talk about, like, Tampa Bay and how they've been there and kind of up and down for a little bit, and they got swept by Columbus last year. Like, sometimes these teams go through a lot of this. Like, I, I don't quite remember how it went with Chicago, but didn't Chicago have a bit of struggle before they won their, their first cup of it there? So, yeah, like, it was pretty It was pretty streamlined. Pretty quick, uh, yeah. Anyways, pretty quick. anyways you, build, you build your team, and you, you stick with your relative core, and you build around it. That and is not you, what you were saying after Game 5 last year. Yeah, I, I okay, I said get rid of all of them as long as you get value. Obviously, what you have now doesn't work. So change it, whatever it is. Whether it's like Matthews should be the only untouchable. On and do the you team. see enough change in this this team going into next season? I think they got some jam now, and I'm okay with it. Like I'm not one of those people that are saying like run Marner out of the out of the building, but like it is an interesting discussion that I've had. Like if you can get a guy like Seth Jones, who's one of those like top D guys, that you, trade isn't available. It's not. Yeah. It's not. But in I'll a, do that in a second. But in, in, in a hypothetical would. world, if you can get one of those guys for one of your top guys, then it's something you you definitely think about. Like, in the Kapanen trade, for example, you got decent value out of the Kapanen trade. I'm all for it. You need to change it up. That's fine. Janssen, they didn't really get much for. Um, that was more of a salary dump. But, like, that's what it should be for everyone. These guys have underperformed for so long. Like, if you get your your relative value worth of them, then get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, to jump on your point, like, Chicago is not a good um, comparable in the sense that, like, they're pretty unique in that they made the Eastern Conference Final and then they won three cups in six years after that. Um you have to look at other teams that took a while and then eventually broke through because that's what the NHL is, just, like, getting your chance, getting your chance, and then, like, eventually, like, can you get there? I mean, like, fuck, the Dallas Stars made the finals this year. Like, I never thought the Dallas Stars were that good. They made the finals. Granted, they lost. But, like, you look at the the Washington Capitals, like, I mean, they Yeah, were, that, that's the right example right there. Yeah, I mean, at least the Washington Capitals are winning President's Cups and at least haven't even come close to that. But, uh, like, they keep grinding, 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 and eventually they win. I mean, like... It was the same um, buzz around Washington, right? Like, can yeah. these guys win? Can you win with a team based around Ovechkin and stuff like that? These guys exactly. are winners, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. I think Kyle Dubas is learning in the sense, like, yes, like, the advanced analytics, like, very intuitive. Like, it's, it's smart to, like, look at them. But also there's, like, certain human elements involved where um, you want a little bit more grit, a little more competitiveness, like, hashtag buzzword. Um and uh, he's trying to build a more complete team. I think this team is a better fit. I don't think Tyson Berry fit at all. I think Cozy CC is fucking trash. And I think Thank like TJ Brody and Zach Bogosian are just a much better fit. Plus internal improvements and like kind of like a different mix. And I think it's going to work out great. I think this team is the best <laughs> Canadian team. It's going to win this division. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Like Matthews injury, um, like. Aside. Or Aside, if he pulls potential. his pants down again and gets put in jail. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they have to win because, like, have you looked at the prospect uh, pool? Like lately, like everyone's been they they basically yeah. drawn out of it. There's nothing left. When we it's used bare. to have 
We had guys in the Marlies, and it was just like you were sitting on gold out there. There's nothing yeah. out top after prospect, Nick Robertson. Top prospect, uh, Jeremy Bracco. Yeah, is yeah. Bracco. <laughs> he signed with the Hurricanes or something like that. So. Um, Do you guys think Matthews was going to be the, the captain before that pants down incident? I was I think hoping. It, I, I think, think it was. So. I think so. I think they're I don't always think going it, to Varys. I feel like they were always stitching going on to the C on his jersey. He drops his pants and he goes into the room and goes, unstitch, unstitch, and some lady like undoes the stitching around the seat. <laughs> Call, I think me, call me crazy. It was though. his job to lose, man. I'm telling you, it was his job it, to lose. It was. In my opinion, it should have been AM34. Like I, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Matthews fan, and I think this is his team. And I thought giving it to John Tavares was kind of just, uh, I don't know. It didn't feel right to me. I think for a city in Toronto where everyone's like hyper focused on every little thing that goes on, at least you need to have a, a guy like Tavares who just kind of sits there in the, and he's just poised, you know. Yeah, I think what happens is Tavares is going to be the captain for a little bit, and then Austin, when he's in his last year, is like, oh, by the way, Austin, you're the captain now. Please don't leave. Until he runs off. To <laughs> you guys are being so optimistic. I'm going to just prove that none of you guys know anything. I'm going to go around the horn here. Uh, Steve, Leafs win a playoff series this year, yes or no? Yeah, definitely. Chris? Depends who they play. No, no, yes or no? Yeah, I think they'll win a playoff series. And Karin? Not only do they win, Wayne Simmons scores the first goal of the 2021 playoffs. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pro on Wayne Simmons. I, I think I Wayne think Simmons so. is going to be he's going to be a great fit. Okay. I can't wait to revisit this when the Leafs are out of the sure. first round. Andrew, we're done with your hot take shit. Um, the Leafs moving in the first round is a hot take? You contributed Unfortunately, very... it's not at this point. It's funny because of, of all the matchups the Leafs could have gotten, Columbus was probably the worst one. Nah, of the, of the, man, of the been, yeah, man, that should have been... You should, you should have still win. blown right by him, but... That's, that's well, that's also because this team was just... Like, that team was a bad team. Like, the, that Leafs team was not that good a team. If you looked at, like, the way they were tracking, like, obviously, like... I uh, think progress is not linear, but you look like it was like 105 points, like 100 points, 105 points, like and then like less than 100 points this year, and they were on track for less than 100. But just points. the way, just the way they play, like yeah. Columbus is the team that you want. If you Columbus cannot, if you they, they the, they did it, if you can't beat the Jackets, but you're they, not doing anything. They did yeah. it to Tampa Bay last year. That's the thing, and Tampa Bay's got the similar kind of thing as the Leafs got going. I mean, they got a little bit better on the D, but they've got all the offensive and that was juggernauts. On Tampa. That wasn't because Columbus was so absolutely good, you know? no. I'm not saying Columbus is great. I'm just. I don't know. If I was the Leafs, if I was the Leafs, I would have rather had the matchup against Tampa Wait, Bay this did, year. Did the Leafs get shut out two games out of the five? It was. Did, a, it was a I tried to block all that out from my game. memory. Yeah, that's like series. come on. The things we talked about were poor defense. Like that was the defense ball that we couldn't score. We we made Jonas Corposalo seem like the greatest goalie of all time. Yeah. He did stand on his head though. For he did against credit. the Leafs. That's what the Leafs. That's told the thing. Him. If you're the Leafs, like you gotta you. Doesn't matter who the goalie is. I don't. I don't like. Doesn't matter who the goalie is. You got to put like you can. You have the ability to put a ten David, spot on David every. David Ayers <laughs> stood oh, on his okay. head. There was okay. a. There was a. There was obviously an issue. Next, next off, I, let's I, stop I, this here. Oh, next off, I remember in Game Five, uh, as Steve was like slowly, angrily eating sour patch kids. He goes, "I swear to God, if Tavares hits one more post, I'm gonna lose it." <laughs> he did hit a lot of posts. A lot of posts. I say oh, a lot of, I say a lot of things JT out there. Really well though. Like he actually did well, have a couple hard, of good games. You know, like, his points wouldn't show it, but. Look, I think this team, like, last year they struggled from, like, honestly, I think it was just a uh, a bad team makeup, and I think this year, like, we've done a better job of that. Where was um, Mitch, though? Where was Mitch? He had a That's bad, even though his points were there, he had a worse year than the year before. I expect bigger things. I think, like, he kind of had the bad, like, kind of like Nylander when he came back um, from his contract dispute, although he was, Nylander was legitimately terrible. Mitch Marner has, like, much more to give. He's still a very... Yeah, no worries. Player. We only owe him forty million dollars over the next four years. It's, it's gonna fine. be a fine contract. Yeah, I'm sure money. They're well gonna spent. provide. He's gonna provide equal value on the contract. You didn't win the negotiation. You definitely, like, well, you definitely didn't win the negotiation. I don't think you lost it. Um, he provides like ninety plus lost points. It. I think you lose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. He probably sits around the nine mark. But like, you, what, what's your alternative? 
if this is the guy you're banking the on, then bank on it. Still, like the second the alternative <laughs> is letting someone offer sheet him and taking four first round picks. Are you That's, what? They are don't you do that me? though. And you take yeah, you have eight, yeah, yeah, but you're gonna get four first round picks. What are they gonna come out? Unless you get four top five first round picks, and you're ten, not and ten million dollars in cap space okay. to sign Artemi Panarin or anyone else. In that, yeah. there's a lot of things you you're can. Gonna, you're gonna throw the money at Panarin or Jeff Skinner. I would take I would take Panarin over Marner today. I would do it hundred percent. Oh man, that's a hot take you were talking about there earlier. That's about I agree with. Panarin's better than Marner. Uh, Panarin's definitely better than Marner. Because Marner's like 20, what is he, 22 years oh, old? Oh, no, I'm not saying like he's 23. I'm not saying that he, like, Marner's definitely young and very That's promising have the first right now. You put right. Mitch, okay, remember when Mitch Marner was playing with Matt Martin on the bottom line there? Like, they buried him on the bottom line, and didn't Martin get like five goals in 10 games? Mitch Marner's a guy that drives the play. You need guys like that. You can have these sideline guys that do their thing, but you have you have guys that drive the play. You need them. And Marner, for the majority of career of his career, is a guy that drives the play. Didn't yeah. show it in the playoffs this year. Had an off playoffs. That's fine. Had an off year. But for That's sure. Unbelievable amount of secondary assists as well, but uh, we won't uh, talk he, about that. He's... Look, Marner's going to be just fine, but not like he's not the value contract, but he's a good player. We'll see where his, uh, what his future is with the lease, but he's the second best uh, lease player drafted in the past like we're like, talking Marner at, 30 at, years. We're talking Marner at 10.9. Like, can we talk Tavares at 11? Because Tavares can't even that's, skate anymore, well, right? Yeah, that's the bigger problem, but... Yeah, like you want to talk about, and yeah, you sign him out of free agency, but like there's the money's gone and it's set on these guys, so you find a way to win around these guys. And Are you guys you should be able to pro Dubas or no? Hundred percent. I think ah. Dubas is an amazing GM. Comes and goes. He, well, hold up, the yeah, contracts you're the contracts you're complaining about are Dubas contracts. Well, first of all, I'm not necessarily complaining, but he showed his like my take on Dubas is that he showed his inexperience with those contract negotiations, but he's I think a very bright and talented GM. He's made a lot of good. Uh, moves around the margins and he's only now getting the team that he's trying to make he's been the last two years he's been trying to get over Lou Lamorello's mistakes that being said if Lamorello was still the GM there's no way Marner would have gotten that's true you would have no you would have traded Marner for like no Marner would have just sat in there and been like yeah Yeah. I'll take the nine million no problem I'll shave my sideburns off or whatever you're you're 100% you're 100% right right? like Lamorello would have been better for those contract negotiations wish he was there for that yep do I think that uh, Dubis is overall a better talent evaluator? Yes. Yeah. I think he's better for the modern game, and I think he sees uh, hockey better at this point. But, like, Dubis showed his inexperience, and he got played Absolutely. by those RFA negotiations. He could have gotten a better deal. The Marner contract is the opposite of the Nylander contract. He didn't want to do exactly... He didn't want to do what he did with the Nylander contract, even though he got Nylander at a pretty decent value. And he just didn't want to go through it. At, and at that point in time, it was just like, all right, take whatever you want. And I don't want to do this again. And, you know, you make one mistake on one end, you make another mistake on the other end. And hopefully you learn from both of them and focus in going forward, no? I think uh, Dubis and Pridham kind of outsmarted themselves in this situation as well. I think they expected the cap uh, cap to go up by oh, quite 100% a bit here. they were they were banking on so that. So we're, we're talking it should have been an extra 4 million dollars for this team and then it it starts looking a little different, right? And but it's now also affected the it's also affected the UFA market. So like it, it has, but they're getting guys no at cheaper team, values. The, no no like, team had the signings like we had in the last two years, that's right? True. Like we had the big money contracts uh, ready to get but signed. But our RFAs were affected by 
Um, the Oilers RFAs, which were affect, which affected Buffalo's RFAs, which are going to affect future RFAs. Yeah, but those guys got max term. That's actually the real yeah. issue we're talking about. Matthew walking, got, Ma- walking Matthews right to UFA. Yeah, that's yeah like an the issue. five and the six years. That's the problem. If you get these guys at your eight years, like it's it's still an overpay on Marner, but like that that's that's not as bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, but. Look, the the Leafs, they have nothing really to answer in the offseason. It's all about what they do on the ice. So we're going to move forward, and we're done with the Leafs, and we're going to talk about another team, another Canadian team that uh, made some interesting moves this season. Uh, I want to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. Don't like it. That's like... Don't like their offseason. I, um, I don't like any of it, and <laughs> I don't know if you um, want to get me going here, but I don't like much of it. Well, I'm going to get going because I just want to say this. Like, Elliot Friedman, in his 31 Thoughts podcast, said very clearly that he thinks that uh, Mark Bergevin is under the impression that he needs to make the playoffs to keep his job. And you know what happens when GM thinks he's like working for his job? He makes really dumbass moves like Josh Anderson. He had one season where he had over 40 points and had 27 goals. And that was two years and one shoulder surgery ago. And he gives him seven years, 5.5 AAV. Apparently um, what Josh was doing uh, he told this to Columbus and he told this to Montreal is you're either giving me minimum one year or maximum. Like I'm not taking in between. And Bergevin, who had just traded Max Domi for him, is like, I guess I'm giving you seven years because if you don't pan out, I'm not going to be there anyway. Um, this is stupid. Um, that's my take on that. Yeah, I, I I don't agree with like I think the trade, they they undersold Domi on the trade to begin with. I, I like Max Domi. I, I don't yeah. mind Josh Anderson. I like, yeah. I like Josh Anderson Hard as a second, here, yeah. third player, but like as a second, third liner. Um... Yeah, exactly what you said about all that. I don't like any of that. And uh, aside from Friedman's take, I was hearing a lot of takes of people saying that, oh, Montreal is going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a hard team. I, I just don't see it at all. I look up and down this roster. I do not see it at all. This Josh Anderson uh, signing actually kind of reminds me of the Dustin Penner deal with the Oilers. Um, I think very similar uh, players and also hopefully not to the, such disastrous extent, but kind of a little bit David Clarkson with the Leafs. I was about to say, yeah. smells a bit like Clarkson. <laughs> smells smells like, Clarkson. like way too much term. I don't care about the AV. Like give him like one year, five. But Clarkson was the same thing. His Mac, his best year yeah. was like what forty eight points. I think. Yeah, he, he had, had thirty well, no, he goals. Had a thirty and, goal season with New Jersey. But he only had then like fifteen he had pretty, assists though. Then he had a pretty good year during the lockout shortened season. And then Fred GM was like, I'm not worried about year seven. I'm worried about year one. Who was he? Was still a bad player. Um, I think Josh Anderson is kind of like in the Penner mold where he's going to have a couple of years where he pots 30 goals and then like five of the seven years where he's just not that good. Tyler Toffoli, I like actually. I thought that was a pretty good deal. I think he overpaid on Brendan Gallagher six years, $6.5 million for loyalty. But here's an interesting thing. I looked this up. So five years from now in the 2024-2025 season, they'll have 32-year-old uh, Brendan Gallagher, 39-year-old Shea Weber, 37-year-old Carey Price, 37-year-old Jeff Petrie, and 30-year-old Joss Anderson, but he's power forward, so they kind of age a little faster. $36.6 million for all of them. That's 45% of this year's cap. This team reminds me of, like, the early 2010s Leafs. They're absolute middle of the pack, going nowhere, no vision, and Mark Bergeron is going to get fired in one to two years. Mark my words. And people in Montreal, four years from now, are going to be like, why the fuck did we let this guy ruin our team? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't. I think they make it forty games a lot, depending on how many games there are in the season. But let's say they make it halfway through the season and they're sitting at twelve or thirteenth. I think he's. I don't even think he makes it out of this season. They're lucky that they made the bubble playoffs and then miraculously beat Pittsburgh. Although I thought they would have been better off just losing and trying to get sure. Lafreniere. That's the best, as we said. <laughs> That's awesome. And they're lucky Tatar. Really, like when they got Tatar, they didn't expect. Like he Tatar's definitely been a boon for He's them. like massively overperformed. Like you take that out of the equation, like. 
Well, they the, that's the thing. They can't even re-sign him. Like, I mean, that's $36.6 million in five years from now. They, we're not even talking about extensions for Nick Suzuki, uh, Jesper Kakanyemi, and Philip Deneau. Four years from now, this team is going to be really bad. Um, they can probably get rid of one of these guys in the Seattle expansion draft, but the point is that they're going to be aged out, capped out, and um, stuck in the middle. And, and the elephant in the room... Um Fifteen million dollars on two goalies over thirty yeah. years old. <laughs> Jake Allen. <laughs> I mean, although I think there's no other backup anywhere remotely yeah. close to. Like, you get a backup at three million dollars, you, you look like a good dummy, right? Would you rather have Jake Allen at like uh, two point five or Aaron Dell? <laughs> would you rather have? <laughs> would you rather have Flurry in the second round pick at three and a half? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Look, I think. Yeah, why well, didn't they get Mark Andre Fleury? That kind of seems weird I, to I, me. Like that, I'm French and I'm all shocked and on all of that. They there's already ten, well, they had already made, they already made the Jake Allen move. I would like, get rid of Carey Price and just get Mark Andre Fleury. Let's move on then uh, to another team that's been making moves. Uh, Calgary Flames uh, signed the top goalie in the UFA market and also made I think the worst deal in the entire offseason in Chris Tanev. What do you guys want to talk about first? Uh, Tanev is an interesting guy. Uh, very injury prone. I honestly a Tanev at four and a half. I don't, I don't have that same take as you. Like, I don't mind Tanev at four and a half. Pull out the graph, Chris. Pull out the graph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Inquisitive Bro is now uh, subscribed to EvolvingHockey.com, which has like tremendous advanced analytics with uh, all hockey stuff. Um, so Chris Tanev, according to Evolving Hockey, no matter which way you put it, just like two standard deviations below replacement level when it comes to like chances for chances against expected goals against also if you look at his Corsi and Fenwick below 50 percent he's like obviously a defensive defenseman who doesn't provide defense and he's like injury prone I don't mind 4.5 million dollars frankly actually for one year because I think these defensive defensemen year in year out like there's high variance with them depends on one they're like their partners and two just like how like how things go but four years the story behind this is apparently they offered um, T.J. Brody the exact same contract. When T.J. Brody went to the Leafs, they turned around. They're like, well, we got to give this money to someone. And let's just give it to Tanev. So that's what happened. I think it's a dumbass move. Um, Jacob Markstrom, I actually like the move. It's not bad. I think they'll do well. Like, I still think this team's going to be good with a good goalie. Goaltending could really help people's, like, team's problems. But they um, threw six years at Markstrom. Yeah, He's 30 if you look, years old now, right? Yeah, if you look at Markstrom's like if you look at Markstrom's uh like stats, like not far off from Frederick Anderson. So if yeah. you look at the Frederick Anderson contract five by five, six by six is a little bit of an overpay, but it's not probably he, he carried the Canucks. Yeah, though. it's probably not gonna kill them, but like this team is still gonna be really good, but like I oh the Chris Tanneth deal, like I really hate it. It's like that, um oh my god, it's like uh who the other sign and um why am I blanking on Adam Zim? Larson? No. No, no, no. Um, the guy who just blocks shots, that's all he does. Chris Russell? Yeah, Chris oh, Russell. Oh, Chris Russell. It's like the Chris Russell deal <laughs> for the Oilers. Yeah, that's like, like that's pretty, that's like, that's a very good analysis. That's pretty yeah. equivalent. It's like, that. right away, it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Or uh, Carl Alsner on uh, Canadians, like, the uh, last year or so. Or Joel Edmondson on the Canadians, who they just signed. Like, that's going to be a bad one, too. Carl Alsner was the worst. Was that, like, two years ago? They already bought him out, right? And it was, yeah, like, $6 million a like, year, the amount so. of times, like, they make, Incredible. like, stupid deals like that. Um, you guys think, I assume, like, Flames are still going to be, like, pretty good, eh? I don't know. Like, I look at their roster, but they always kind of surprise me. They got good de- team defense, and they still got their pieces, and Giordano, and, well, they lost TJ Brody now, though, so it's it's going to be a tough one. I, I, I don't see them uh, making that much noise, but uh, they're one of those teams that could surprise. Yeah, you look at their roster on paper, and 
there's nothing that really jumps out except for the fact that Giordano still moves, but he's 37. So if he drops, I didn't off, realize that. Eh? Yeah, he's 37. If he drops off at all, then then I think like then it doesn't look good at all. You got you know your Monahans, your uh, Gaudreaux. They're kind of slowing down a little bit. Not against, to mention right? that they're going to have to sign Kachuk to an extension. What's just going to have to happen is they're eventually they're going to have to trade Goudreau. Because um, he's eventually going to want an extension, and he's underpaid right now, and the Calgary Flames are fans are angry at him. But they're going to have to choose between Kachuk and Goudreau, and they're probably going to trade Goudreau. And like, I don't know where this team is going. They're going to have to hit on the uh, some of their draft picks, but they still got Lucic for three more years. Oh, that's five, good. You know? That's good. Yeah, thank God they have that. Okay, let's move on to uh, Lucic's old team, which is the Edmonton Oilers. Yessi Puyarvi is coming back, and they signed Tyson Berry to one year, three point seven million, and also Kyle Turris. Coming as their third line center. What are your thoughts on the Oilers? I like that sneaky signing of Kyle Turris at one point six. Like that's not bad at all. Third line center Kyle Turris. I think that's actually a really good. Signing. I think it's great. Yeah, I think if a guy goes down, Turris is the guy. The he's a great guy to drop and in, jump into the top six. Um, I think the Oilers they've been they've been under the gun for a little bit, and I think they're ready to to make a jump. As much as it's enjoyable to laugh at the Oilers because they've they've kind of underperformed for so long. If you look at what they've got on their roster, even the Tyson Berry signing, I know he didn't pan out as well as the Leafs wanted him to, but at $3.7 million, you got to remember two years ago, he was a top five puck moving power play guy, right? I think it's a great move for the Oilers. One year flyer on this guy who's going to be their number, on their number one power play unit. Tyson Berry is not that he's a bad player. He just didn't fit in Toronto. Apparently he's also a really nice guy. Um, everyone loved him, but... Oh, well, that's uh, good. Hey, well, it's always... Thanks for your input, Andrew. Um, it's... It's always good to have good guys in the locker room. I think it's a great flyer. I think he can definitely come back to being like a top 10 uh, point getter as a defenseman. But this team comes down to what McJesus and Dreisaitl can can do. Um, that's Why don't team. the Oilers get uh, Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, I, I'm, I'm so confused here like, <laughs> the, about the Marc-Andre The smith thing? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm 100%. Because you're looking at Koskinen, it's just like, that was a weird signing to begin with when it happened. Peter Shirelli's last move as a GM was signing Koskinen to that stupid extent. Wasn't oh, it so uh, based Shirelli on like 10 him? games oh, or 20 yeah, games? Yeah, it was like yeah, 10 they, games yeah. he took over and he they, played well for a bit. He signed him to an extension, four years at 4.5, and they're like, oh, uh, 20 days later, now we're going to fire you. Okay, but Shirelli's track record as a general whole, start to finish, even like, it's not like he just kind of fell off a bit. Like, he's got to go down. I don't I don't know who he's still in consideration to be in a GM position with some of these teams that are looking for GMs. They were talking about it. Like, he's got to be one of the worst ever, no? Well, he won a cup with Boston. Yeah. It's like kind of like a, a old boys league in NHL, right? If you've been around, you make good connections. Um, you're going to get your name out there. But he even did the same thing in Boston. He like the Sagan trade. He just he just he just got rid of guys for nothing. That's what like, that's what it comes down to. If you got a guy you need to get rid of, make sure you get some value back for him. Yeah, no, uh, didn't have a good track record. I I will I do want to say that Edmonton right now is like pretty capped out, and like their team is what their team is. There's not a big difference. Next year they have twenty nine million dollars in cap space right now. Um, obviously with like their main guys already signed and that's because like a bunch of their albatross contracts are coming off the books adam larson chris russell tyson berry is obviously off um yeah nugent hopkins are gonna have to extend him but a name that apparently has been rumored around is bringing back taylor hall next year yeah that's been the rumor go for it i think they sold they sold early on hall like they got rid of him because they they needed to get that that big defenseman and 
they got Larson, who wasn't <laughs> who wasn't that at all. Never understood that. Didn't uh, even yeah. understand the Eberle trade. Yeah. Like that didn't make sense. Well, they, they traded Eberle for Strom, right? Yeah, and that's then, like and then well, Strom number, for Spooner. Those are the number one arguments Spooner. against like the Leafs, yeah, like trading a Marner or Nylander too early. Yeah, um, you make sure you I get would, value I wouldn't for trade him. Marner for. Adam Larson, though, you know, no. like when I you say only like, trade, you only trade a Marner, for, you only trade a Marner for like a top defenseman, like, like an actual, like yeah. something around there, you know, um, yeah, they were just, they seemed like they were panic moves at the yeah. time when Edmonton was making them. Okay. We'll just uh, wind up here then. Vancouver, big Nate Schmidt trade really saved their off season. Obviously after they tried to sign Tyler Toffoli, um, but it didn't work out. They need to save their cap space for um, the Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Huge extensions that are going to come. In Winnipeg, traded for Paul Stasny. Do you guys think Patrick Line gets traded? Sorry, oh, do you think Patrick Line gets traded? Um, I think that there's a high possibility of it. I think, uh, I don't know. What do you get for Line, though? I don't know. It's if a he, very uh, difficult deal to make. I think you're going to have to get some spare parts, yeah. make a defenseman involved with it. But teams that like have been rumored to be interested in Carolina, Minnesota, Columbus. Um, I think if they do pull the trigger on a line A trade, that's going to be one where like three, four years down the road, they're going to realize they they should they didn't get enough back for him. Kind of like a, a Taylor Hall kind of deal. That's kind of like generally what happens with these types of trades when you, when you feel like you're forced to make that happen. Patrick Line hasn't improved at all, like in my opinion, since he's been drafted. He's been the same guy year in year out. Still a monster, though. Like, yeah, he's, he's still, still a, monster, a monster, but he's the same monster. He's remember, like, remember Liney versus Matthews. Remember that. Oh, Thank goodness that channel laughable. chatter is yeah. all done. Do you want some early early season Vegas odds? Yeah. Okay, we can switch to early season Stanley Cup Vegas odds. Go for it. Whether you want them or not, I'm going to give it to you. You know, for a Leaf hater, why are you wearing a Leafs hat? By the way, it's the only hoodie I could find. <laughs> it's cold. Right. You can go on with your odds. Tampa, Vegas, Colorado tied at seven and a half to one favorites. Makes sense. You guys cool with that? Yeah. 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 Uh, defending Cup champions getting the odds on favorite. Makes sense. Leafs are eighth. They are tied with Dallas at 20 to one. Fair? I don't think Dallas is going to do the run they did this, this past year, but. Typically, these teams that make it then drop off. It's super hard to make it that far. And half their team is still injured. I mean, like... I'm looking at the bottom of the list how far the mighty have fallen. This is crazy. You got Ottawa at a hundred to one, and below that, any guesses who that team is? Uh, San Jose, to one. Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, Detroit's got a lot of work to do. They need to rebuild, and they've got a lot of interesting contracts. That they're they a team, though. Like they're actually a team that I'm surprised they're not looking at potentially doing offer sheets to like some of Tampa's guys because they have a ton of cap space and like. What the fuck are they working for? But then again, I guess you don't want to give up your first round pick. Bring back Babcock. <laughs> they could do it. Why not? Babcock's going to go to the Seattle. Relive team. the glory. Okay, uh, let's wrap up really quickly then. Um, do you guys have any other like signings or things you guys want to talk about? Did you read that Melnick said the Sens are going to win a cup in four years? He always says crazy things like he that. He guaranteed though. a Melnick's cup win. a when... raging lunatic. Okay, yeah. like, <laughs> that's that's the that's the worst take of any of the. That's of a any great of these. take though, because as in his position, what's his downside? Yeah, I honestly don't think he actually believes that in no, any way, not. shape, or form. He just realizes he needs to say something to Melnick try and get some more. You should have said this year. I guarantee we win this year. Melnick is more likely to not be the owner of the Ottawa Senators in four years than for them to win a cup in four years. All right. Okay. Good. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, any I got takes? nothing else to say. I think we got most of it off. I just uh, We didn't get anywhere into the Marner trade talk, um, but no one's trying to fight me on that. So uh, I tried. Chris kept cutting me off. 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's not that's not the time and place. Like, that's a hot button Wait, problem. Wait, hold up, hold up. Wait, there's a better time and place to discuss a hot take hockey take than a hockey Marner's not going anywhere. That's the 100%, take. Yeah. Marner's not going anywhere, and anyone that says otherwise should just shut up. Yeah, this is not the radio. I agree. It's not, he's it's, not going anywhere. It's not the radio. This it's is not a, really. It's I think, I think the team is now well balanced. Last year, when the team wasn't balanced enough, where we didn't have a defenseman, it made a little bit more oh sense. Oh, my God. But you guys TJ, are so dumb. It's going to be the exact same thing. No. And you know I'm right. You guys know I'm right. The no. outcome will be the same. No, no, I, no, no. I think you build a roster. You build around your skill, but you also build. You have some jam guys to play. The Leafs didn't have jam guys to play. They had four lines of like borderline trying to score guys, and you can't win that way. Austin Matthews is winning the Conn Smythe in 2021. And that's Thorin's a hot gonna, take. Thorin's going to assist his way into the second round. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Um, Andrew, did you have one more thing you want to say? One more. I got nothing. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Goldies go. I mean, my hopes are low, but Goldies go. go. Well, there's a question. Every year, it's a bit of an uncertainty. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, before we finish off today's episode, uh, Andrew and I want to take some time just to discuss LeBron James officially winning his fourth ring with the Los Angeles Lakers this time. All hail the king. Yeah. Um, never doubt the king. We said that literally at the start of the summer. We did, and, and, then I, and then I doubted him, and then I believed him, and then I doubted him again, and I went back and forth like six times. I doubted him with the Blazers a little bit, and then I got Well, you never doubted him. You just doubted the the team. Yeah, who knew Rondo and KCP were going to become superstars? Well, I mean, I said this in the last basketball pod we did, but every single year, there's always a story about a role player rising up to the occasion. Turns out it was KCP, who in the last three games of the series had just an incredible impact, especially Game 5 and Game 6. I literally thought Game 5 was going to be like his hero moment. He made huge shots. Yeah. And then... Actually, made huge shots in Game 4 as well. What am I talking about? But in Game 6, like, put up uh, 17 points, I think. Overall, in the series, I'm pretty sure he had, like, 77 points, and about 80% of those were in the last three games. So good for KCP. Makes all that overpaying that Clutch made uh, the Lakers do worth it. Yeah, and, I think so. And um, guess what? KCP's a free agent <laughs> after this season. He's going to get paid. Yeah, by the Lakers. Yeah, correct. I think I think Lakers come back with the same team. You think they do moves? Yeah, I'm. I've been advocating for my Kyle Kuzma for uh, Derrick Rose move for a little bit, and yeah, I think that I makes sense. Saw that. Yeah, that's true. I think Kuz Kuz sucked. He is not. Well, he's got talent. I mean, we've talked about this. He's got talent, but he doesn't. He doesn't work with that team because literally the positions he plays or would be good at playing is the positions that LeBron plays. And I don't know who's worse. Was I don't know if Danny was worse or if Kuz was worse. Danny's awful. If you had to guess right off the, just off the top of your head, uh, what Danny Green shot from three yeah. percentage wise for the finals, what do you think he shot? 27, 27%. That's really good. Actually, it was 28.9. See, that's actually higher than I thought. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he hit a couple down the stretch, which would have boosted his average a little bit, but it's irrelevant. He's it's a, irrelevant. He was 11 for 38 for the entire, uh, uh, the entire series there. Um, but yeah, uh, they're paying, this, they're paying this guy $15 million next year. Yeah. I was actually listening to the hoop collective and Brian Windhorst was making a good point. Like, you know who else is going to get at least $15 million next year? KCP. KCP. Yeah. Cause is that guy, is that guy worse than Danny Green? No, 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 he's no, not. No, he's not. I mean, and they he have was their, at one point, but not anymore. Yeah. And they have their bird rights and this is what happens when you, uh, you win a championship and you have some important role players that you don't really want to let go, especially the Lakers, who have not many other avenues to uh, gain wings like that, um, other than the mid-level exception, I, su- I suppose. But he, the guy's definitely getting paid. Yeah, I think, um, I think Derrick Rose 
is definitely a Laker by the start of next season. I would be willing to put a decent amount of money that he ends up being a Laker. Yeah. I think that I think that just makes way too much sense. For every team involved. You mean just both parties? Yeah. No, all the other teams too. They would really appreciate yeah. if this trade happened. <laughs> so KCP actually has a player option for eight and a half million. You yeah, say he's he gonna declines? Turn it down. Yeah, okay. I say he declines and like he re ups. Yeah. But no, let's talk about just uh two things I want to hammer home. One this is really historic. Talked about this a little bit last time, but the tandem of Anthony Davis and LeBron James being able to, throughout the playoffs, put over 25 points per game and over 50% from the field and win the championship. No other duo has ever done that. Like I talked about that earlier, and they succeeded in doing this. And this is unprecedented, literally unprecedented. <laughs> it's um, awesome when you can get all-time great stats because the rest of your team is all-time terrible. <laughs> They're all-time good enough. I don't know. Just barely good enough. Like, if Dragic didn't get hurt and Bam was at 100%, I still think the Lakers no. would have won. That's the thing. Yeah, the, I think it would have been closer, Heat, but... I mean, the Miami Heat were at the end of the rope. Um, they had a bunch of tough series throughout the, Western, uh, the Eastern Conference. And, um, you know, tip your cap to them, you know? Like, they, they really worked hard. They earned two really good wins. Um, Jimmy Butler, everyone in the NBA respects him. Man, almost there, there is not a, a team that lost in the finals that has earned my respect more ever than this Miami Heat team. I'm very proud. Proud? Well, just I'm proud of the way they played. Like just the grinded out yeah, underdog. There's nothing to uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, if you're a Miami Heat uh, fan or player. I suppose if you're listening to this, but I could look, summarize the. So we left everybody at the pod after game three. I could summarize yeah. the next three games very very easily. Ready for this? Okay. If you want to have in game four. Just check game two. If you want to know what happened in game five, just check game three. And if you want to know what happened in the clinching game six, just check game one. Very similar. Yeah. Now, the question uh, the question going forward is, so LeBron has his fourth ring in 10 tries. Um, <laughs> Which means absolutely nothing. Okay, hold up. What's better? Four for four or four for five? Four for four. It's better. How? Because that means... No, assuming you play five seasons each. That means that at one point, you didn't oh, get there. okay. Well, see, you didn't make that caveat. No, I know what you're saying. Like, I'm not going to get in that discussion about, like, oh, like... The- Who's better, Jordan or LeBron? That is the debate. Six well, yeah, for six is, is irrelevant think- if you didn't get there a seventh time. That's the beauty about that debate, right? It's... You, there's no really right answer. I think, like, if you really had to, like, split hairs and stuff, maybe Jordan had the higher peak. He hit a level that I don't know if LeBron ever reached in terms of like his ability to finish games and just be like that killer but not, lebron I, I don't understand that though like when he when he won that championship with cleveland when he came back yeah that was incredible you're telling me that peak wasn't a jordan peak i don't know what kind of advanced metrics they're using you're to right. like find jordan a little bit higher but like the eye test is there i don't understand that not to mention like they're LeBron's also peak vastly has been different forever. they're also vastly different players that's another yeah, thing it's, it's easy to compare or easier to compare jordan Versus Kobe, since they're the, the same mold of each other. But LeBron, like, what he does on the court, I mean, he obviously does a lot of scoring, but it's so much different than what Jordan uh, did on the court. I mean, he's so much more of a facilitator, so much more of the all-around game versus just the um, go-to scorer. singular excellence that was Jordan, although he was a good defender as well. Yeah, listen, as good, as good as LeBron is, in the history of closers, if I need one bucket at the end of the game, I'm not going to LeBron, and here's why. It doesn't have to do with the stats, his closing stats, his clutch stats, because honestly, I think LeBron's, if you actually look at them, are pretty decent, like his game-winning shot, game-tying shots, as far as percentages versus Kobe and maybe Jordan. But the reason is LeBron just does not have the one-on-one moves that Kobe and Jordan did. 
He does not have the footwork. He does not have the handle. He does not have the arsenal. LeBron's yeah. got two moves. He's got the step back to his left. Not even to his right. He's got the step back to one side. And he's got the, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to put my shoulder into you. And I'm going to try and go by you. Like, I get it. When you're like 6'8", 280, and you can run like a cheetah, I understand like you're going to gravitate to just beating guys your athleticism. I get it. But down the stretch, like, if they throw three guys at him, I'd rather see Jordan with the ball in his hands and Kobe with the ball in his hands than LeBron in that situation. Well, LeBron, half the time, isn't even going to shoot. He's going to pass it. Right. Which the open guy. might work. Danny Green with the brick. You know he Danny got death Green. threats for that, right? Yeah, I sent them in. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I sent <laughs> at, him. At the Inquisitor Bro. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I, d- I still don't forgive you for game six. And this you, is why. You die now. Yeah. Okay, can we just please finish? on just talking about the playoff bubble as a whole and the Lakers just winning. Just, like, final thoughts. Just yeah. Honestly, kudos to everybody involved in the bubble. I was super happy we had basketball to watch, regardless of whether there was fans or not. Do I think there'll be fans next season? No, I don't. I think we can see people playing in their home stadiums without fans, but I do not see people in the stands. Yeah, I kind of have similar thoughts. I think, like, NBA did this very seamlessly, just like the NHL, which we talked about. And you really noticed it on uh you really noticed the lack of fans when they actually got the trophy um i love how jr was the first one to actually grab it like did the least dude before the buzzer the even hit somehow jr already had a shirt off yeah well that's his mo and he got the entire team to like get on it yeah uh, you saw like caruso and kuzma with other shirts during their uh, post-game press conferences as well but kudos to like the nba and everyone involved like this was really well done and i was so happy to have basketball in my life again LeBron james four down two to go we're catching jordan <laughs> Later, everybody. Peace.